Hello and afternoon to you all. We're glad you're able to join with us at our weekly open-air outreach. This week we're coming from outside Partick Station in the West End of Glasgow. We're glad you're able to join with us in person, and we're welcome to those who are listening and watching on the live stream. We're here from Partick Free Church of Scotland continuing. We're our, a local congregation. We're a Scottish registered charity, and we meet at Two Thornwood Terrace. That's up Dumbarton Road, and you'll come first of all to the police station, opposite the police station, go up the steep hill there, you'll come to Thornwood Primary School, and we're next door at the crossroads at Two Thornwood Terrace. We meet on the Lord's Day Sunday, the first day of the week. We meet at 11 a.m., and again in the early evening at 6 p.m., and we extend a warm welcome to you. It may be that you're not a regular churchgoer. It may be even you've never gone to church at any time. Or maybe you've got out of the habit because of COVID. Whatever. Don't feel embarrassed. Please come along. You will be made uh, most welcome. And on another thing, it may well be that you don't have a, a Bible. And maybe you'd like to have your own Bible to read in the privacy of your own home? Well, if you fall into that category and you want a Bible, please make yourself known to myself or one of those gentlemen who are handing out gospel tracts, and we'll seek to provide you with a Bible. It's a pleasure to be here, to be able to say something concerning the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. We spoke some time ago from chapter 10 of Romans, verse 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And, well, you may well say to yourself then, Why do I need to be saved? Why do I need to be saved? The Bible talks about being saved, and the Christian gospel is all about being saved, but why do I need to be saved? Well, you need to be saved from your sin. This is a real problem. Problem today that many people don't recognize, but God does. It's a problem that causes a barrier between Him and mankind. But blessed be God, He has done something about it <clears throat> in His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And you need to be saved from your sin. What is sin? Sin is any want of or conformity unto the law of God. God has given us a law. It has been codified, if you like, written down. It's the Ten Commandments. In actual fact, the Ten Commandments, in essence, are written in your Constitution. It's all part of our, what we might say in modern terms, our DNA. We are made in the image of God, the Bible says. And part of that image is that God has inscribed or etched His law upon us in our hearts. But because of sin, that law is somewhat smudged. 
It's out of focus. It's defaced. It's not as clear as it should be. And that's why he gave it to Moses on Mount Sinai in codified form. He wrote it down. And he wrote it on tables of stone with his own finger that we might realize that this is from God. And he wrote it in stone that we might know that it is permanent and that is binding on every one of us. And sin is any want of or conformity unto the law of God. And basically, what that's telling us is that we sin when we don't obey God's law or when we break it. What is God's law? Well, it's the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. That's the first commandment. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything in heaven above or in the earth beneath. That's the second commandment. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who taketh his name in vain. The fourth commandment is, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the Sabbath day is a holy day. The fifth commandment, remember thy father and thy mother that thou may live long in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Sixth commandment, thou shalt not kill. The seventh commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery. The eighth commandment, thou shalt not steal. The ninth commandment, thou shalt not bear false witness. You shall not tell lies. The tenth commandment, thou shalt not covet. You shall not desire anything that does not belong to thee. That's a brief summary of the Ten Commandments. And I put it to you that if we all lived according to the Ten Commandments, if we all put them in practice and began to live according to them, our lives would be transformed. Our homes would be transformed. Our schools, our factories, our places of work, our communities, our prisons, our hospitals, our governments would all be transformed. But the reality is we cannot fully obey the Ten Commandments. Why not? God has told us to keep them. Yet you're saying we cannot keep them. Yes, That's exactly our problem. We cannot keep them. Oh, we're required to. We're obliged to. But we cannot. Why not? Because of sin. Let me give you an illustration. What is the seventh commandment? Thou shalt not commit adultery. What's adultery? Well, it's having intercourse outside of marriage. That's physical adultery. Now, many people have never committed that. But Jesus tells us that for a man to look upon a woman lustfully, that is adultery. Now, when we consider that the commandment not only governs our actions, but our very thoughts, then surely we begin to realize that, well, we have broken 
the seventh commandment. We may well not have committed physical adultery, but the likelihood is we have committed adultery in our hearts or by our words. Let me give you another example. The sixth commandment, thou shalt not kill. Now I'm sure that the people that I'm addressing this afternoon, that you've never killed anyone. You've never broken that commandment in that sense. But again, we go to Jesus. We go to His teachings as we find it in the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus would teach us there, if we hate our brother without a cause, then we are guilty of murder. If we give someone a mouthful, if we vent our spleen upon someone without a cause, then we are guilty of murder by words. And if we think evil thoughts in our hearts concerning a brother, a mother, a father, a neighbor, or a relative, without a cause, then we have broken that commandment the Lord Jesus Christ teaches us. And therefore, we are to realize that the commandments do not just take notice of what we do with our hands or our feet, but what we say and what we think also. And therefore, when we see how penetrating God's commandments are, then we begin to realize that we truly are sinners in the sight of God. Now, it's very likely that the people I'm addressing this afternoon here in person have never been in trouble with the police. You don't need to worry about someone coming to the door to ask you some questions about something and maybe take you away to be examined by the police and maybe ultimately to face a trial. No doubt, that is not your experience at all. But you're not going to be judged by man's standards. You're going to be judged by the standards of Almighty God, who is absolutely pure and holy. It is said of Him in the Bible, Thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil, and canst not look upon iniquity. That's the God with whom you have to do with. And therefore, when we go back to this verse that we find in Romans chapter 10, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, is it not good news to us? Is it not good news to sinners that there's a way to be saved? What is that way? That way is to believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Ask yourself, how can you possibly believe in someone you've never heard about? That's why the preacher has been employed. That's why preachers are sent. Preachers are ultimately sent by the Lord Jesus Christ that they might go forth and tell the good news of salvation. And before we can understand the good news of salvation, we must first recognize our great need. And that's why I spoke to you briefly about the Ten Commandments and how we have broken all of these commandments. And therefore, as far as God is concerned, we are sinners. 
for there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. That's what the Bible says. None of us are righteous in the sight of God by ourselves, by nature. Indeed, the Bible would tell us, and you can find this in Psalm 51, that we were conceived in sin. That's not referring to the the biological act. That's quite simply telling us that we have a sinful nature from the moment that we have been conceived. And when we come out of the womb, that sinful nature will manifest itself in sinful action. And therefore we have a real problem. The problem is we have broken God's law. Every minute, day by day, hour by hour. Jesus said when one asked him to sum up the greatest commandment or to sum up the Ten Commandments, he said, you are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And and you are to love your neighbor as yourself. That's what it means to obey the commandments. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Now I put it to you. I put it to you in all honesty. Is this true of you? Can you say that you honestly love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you love your neighbor as yourself? Friend, I'm sure if you're honest with yourself, you'll find, well, no, that's not me at all. Therefore, we have broken God's law. And we need someone to save us. And that one is the Lord Jesus Christ. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How can He save us? Well, He came from heaven. He lived a perfect life. We cannot conceive of someone who can live a perfect life. But Jesus did. Even His enemies, they recognized that He had lived a perfect life. Judas, after He had betrayed Him, said, I have betrayed innocent blood. And Pilate, on three times when Jesus was taken before Him, I find no fault in this man. And Herod likewise said exactly the same. Nothing worthy of death is found in him. He is the only one that ever lived a perfect life. Now, that is important because having lived a perfect life, he was then able to offer up a sacrifice, a perfect sacrifice. That's what he did on Calvary's tree. There God his great master plan, the great plan of redemption. There God punished Jesus Christ in the room and in the place of sinners. This is the very heart of the Christian gospel. We deserve to be punished. We deserve God's wrath and condemnation because we are lawbreakers. 
But Jesus Christ has come and he has suffered and died in our room and place. He has taken the punishment that was rightly due for sinners. Now what's in it for you? Well, this is what's in it for you. When you believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. Yes, that's the glorious news of the gospel. That's what Christianity has for us in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. He suffered in our room and place, but we must believe upon Him. We must call upon Him. How can I possibly call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? You can call upon Him even now. You are to cry out to Him now. You are to ask for mercy now. And you are to believe the gospel which tells you to repent and believe the gospel. What does repent mean? Again, another old-fashioned word. A word that you might not hear in the Christian church today, but it's a biblical word. It's telling us that we're to turn from our sins. Turn from our sins. We spoke about sin some time ago. We noticed that sin is a breach of the Ten Commandments. Well, we're to live a righteous life. That's what we're to do. We're to turn our backs upon our old lives. Therefore, if we're ones who are committing fornication, we are to stop committing fornication. If we are ones who are committing adultery, we are to stop committing adultery. If we're stealing, we are to stop stealing. If we're lying, we are to stop lying. If we're ones who blaspheme the name of the Lord our God, we are to stop our blaspheming. We are to realize that the name of God is sacred and holy and precious. And therefore, whatever our sins might be, we are to repent of them. Not just to be sorry for them, but actually to stop committing them. That's what repentance means. We are to turn. It may well be that we're serving other gods. Minister, I don't serve any other gods. Oh, yes, you do. And the likelihood is that the God that you serve principally is yourself. Well, when you repent, you're to serve God. You are to serve God first, others, and yourself last. That's the way. That's the way of repentance, is to put God first. That's what's required. And that's why the gospel call goes out, repent and believe the gospel. Turn from your sins and believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. That's what the Apostle Paul said to the Philippian jailer. The Philippian jailer had put Paul and Silas in prison. He put, he put them in prison. He put them in the very center of the prison, in the most secure place. And he heard them singing psalms at midnight. And after midnight, there was an earthquake. And the Philippian jailer thought that following the earthquake that all the prisoners would have escaped. And because of that, he felt that if he, if he had lost the, the prisoners, he would lose his life. And he was going to kill himself. And Paul said to him, Do thyself no harm, 
we are all here. And then the Philippian jailer recognized there's something unique, there's something special about these missionaries. And he says to them, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? What did Paul say to him? Did Paul say, give me your money? Did Paul say, go and do some good works? No, Paul says, believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved, you and your family. And that's what's required of us when we hear the gospel. We are to repent. We are to believe. We are to call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You shall be saved from every sin and the consequences of every sin and the guilt of every sin. You shall have a new start. Again, this is something that Christianity gives. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Do you see what the Christian possesses even today? The true-hearted, genuine Christian, when he believes upon Jesus Christ, he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It's something that he possesses now. It belongs to him now. It's a free gift that has been given to him by Jesus Christ. It has been secured by the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He that believeth in the Son hath everlasting life. Let me ask you this afternoon then. Do you believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ? Silence. Friends, the day will come when you will meet Him. You will meet Him one day. And how will you fare that day? How will it be for you? We come out, friends, to tell you there's a way of escape. If we continue in our sins, and if we die in our sins, there's nothing that can be done for you. You can have the most elaborate funeral service. You can have the best eulogy. And people can say tremendously nice things about you. But it will not matter one iota. If you die with your sins upon you, you shall perish. There will be no hope. It doesn't matter who will officiate at your funeral. It doesn't matter the gracious words they may utter. It doesn't matter about how well they might describe you and how they will tell you that or tell people that you were a great individual. If you don't have your sins forgiven by Jesus Christ, 
then you shall perish. And you shall perish for eternity. Can you not see then how serious this message is? This is the most serious matter that you could possibly comprehend and consider. And this is the record, the Bible says, in 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 and 12. This is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. At the end of the day, there will only be two kinds of individuals. There will be those who have Christ and those who do not. In our society today, we like to divide people into various sections in the community. Male, female, young, old, educated, uneducated, rich, poor, different tongues, different languages, different colors of skin, and so on. At the end of the day, friends, there will only be two kinds of people. Those in Christ, those who have their sins forgiven, those who have a relationship with Jesus Christ, those who look to Him, and those who reject Him. Those who will not have this man to reign over them. Where are you this afternoon then? This is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. If you want to know eternal life, and you can know it in bad form here and now, but you'll know it in its full manifestation in eternity. If you want to know this eternal life that Jesus Christ has secured, then you must believe upon Him. And what must you do? You must call upon Him. What does it mean to believe upon Him? It means that you look to Him. It means that you're casting your everything upon Him. It means that you're not trusting upon yourself or upon your own efforts, or your own achievements. Instead, you're looking to another. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. We do hope and pray that these things will speak to you. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God we are told. And that's how people come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. They hear the gospel. And God works faith in their hearts and in their lives. Faith cometh by hearing. And if you're never in a place where you hear the Word of God being proclaimed, 
it's not surprising that you don't have faith. And therefore, we would urge you to acquaint yourself with a gospel congregation where indeed the Word of God is preached and where you might come under the authentic Christian gospel. In the meantime, may God bless His Word to you this afternoon.